and it, and, it, and it does a very important thing too, and this is important for the rest of the discussion here, is for the first time in human history, it separates political power from economic yeah. power. And this is crucial to understanding the beginning of this country, because if we go back to the colonial period, as you mentioned, it was free real estate, yep. right? All you had to do was simply dispossess the, the first peoples that lived on the eastern seaboard, um, move there with your family, start some weird Puritan community out there. And that means of subsistence that had been eroded in England, you know, right before you yeah. left. That means of subsistence, the ability to reproduce and self-reproduce yourself yeah. as a small farmer, as an independent farmer outside of the cash yes. nexus, outside of the market. Um, all of a sudden, as that possibility forecloses itself in England, and then later on, of course, in the rest of Europe, too, and then around the world, people could still come to the United States. Colonists could come to the United States. And through the simple act of dispossessing and maybe killing some native peoples, they could get it back, baby. They could have that means of subsistence back. Northern farmers, they got it, man. They got yeah, it. They got, they, they've created a model that became the only presiding, the, the, the metaphysical, like the quality of freedom was defined in that. And that is a distinction from European freedom. European freedom has an inexorable communal element to it because it arose out of feudal relationships, which were communal. The, uh, America is where the people who couldn't or wouldn't be able to fit into the communal nexus anymore fucking left or were driven one way or the other by either their own minds or economics. One way or another, pushed out of the... the uh, out of the social nexus and then emerge in a new place and create a new structure where the communal has been replaced by the, su the sufficient individual because we're creating for the first time capitalist subjects. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, contrary to, to what a lot of historians have said who, who um, have argued that capitalism, capitalism came over on the Mayflower. I think the process is far more interesting than that because so you have like you have three systems that set themselves up in the 17th uh, and, and early 18th century. The first, of course, is the plantation system yes. down south, which is a massive productive industry. And as we know, because you couldn't get European colonists to do that yeah. kind of work in those kind of conditions, because the rate of exploitation had to be so high on that labor. You, of course, you couldn't pay anybody to, to do it. Millions of, uh, you couldn't pay anybody, you know, especially in a place where they could just fuck off and get their own farm. You could not pay anyone to do that work. Twelve, 12 to 16 hours, hands and knees, picking fucking cotton or picking fucking tobacco or, God forbid, <laughs> uh, cultivating oh, yeah, sugar. The worst, the worst of the worst. Having to turn that through an industrial process. Yeah. Like sugar was crazy because it was it was both a cultivation, but also like for the time a relatively advanced production process where you turn the raw yep. cane into the paste and then you turn yeah that they had to have the sugar they had sugar to have crystals. like uh, real capital investments in those things they were yeah proto agricultural factories they had they had sugar houses on every sugar plantation it was a huge they were that more valuable than most plantations which were just fields and a big house. And if you and if you the word that we still use today, one of the words for factory is plant, mm -hmm. right? Going down to the plant that comes directly from the plantation, which is where the sugar was created, because it's one of the first, as you said, technologically advanced 
um, production processes that start to bring uh, labor together in one place in a highly or relatively uh, detailed division of labor that exists between them and puts them into this these sugar houses, which is like an industrial yeah. setting. So that the the idea of the plant then you know becomes the idea of the modern factory and it comes out of sugar so you've got that in the south you have plantation slaveholding these giant giant these aristos the fancy lads pretending to be knights and, and lords doing doing chivalric chivalric bullshit down there while you know thousands of people are working directly under them in gang labor and being whipped mm-hmm. and uh, forced to make uh, a cash crop you know, cotton and sugar and tobacco were very important cash crops for um, for mm-hmm. Europe, and so there was a very lucrative industry. And it the way it was produced again by slaves because that's the only way you could produce yeah. it. It's the only way you could get people to do that shit. The only way that you could drive them hard enough through violence to make the profits necessary in order to make it a going business. You know, you needed slavery yes. for that, and of course. We know we'll talk about what that does to the Constitution, and we sure as fuck know what it did in uh, 1860, right, with the Civil War. So um, the other one, of course, was in the Mid Atlantic. You had uh, 1861. In the Mid Atlantic, you had um, like large holdings by like uh, William Penn and others, uh, where they like uh, rented out land, or, or or yeah, they rented out lands for tenant yes. farming in like these giant yeah. farms. And that kind of gave a, a different sort of timber yeah. to the politics the Dutch, down there. Uh, the, in, in the Dutch West, Dutch areas of Western New York, those the big landowners were known as patroons. <laughs> I always like that word for it. It's a nice yeah. patroon. Uh, does does it, it sounds very? Oh, it is. Yes, sort of. Then they were aristocrats. One of the most prominent families in Western New York was the Van Rensselaers. Hmm. Uh, famously, the town of Rensselaer is where the docks are now in Albany, and there's also a Rensselaer Polytechnic University. Mm-hmm. And of course, too, there was also a bunch of a couple presidents by the name of Roosevelt, too, who also came out of yep. that background. Something unique, though, something different and interesting happened in uh, the northern colonies, though, because in the northern colonies, the, the, some of the land was good, not mm-hmm. all of it, right? But you had like some of the first colonists there. And they were sort of thrown together and had to create a communal life. And they did it not just through religion, right, the Puritans and whatnot, but they also did it by, like, creating these close-knit communities amongst themselves, self-sufficient communities that existed in the northern colonies. Of course, they had to be self-sufficient because they were dispossessing native peoples and didn't want to get chopped up. Um, They wanted to actually kill them. But um, also, just like the nature of production tended towards small farms in Mm -hmm. the north. Um, so when I mention the idea that capitalism came over on the Mayflower, only in the sense that there was a burgeoning capitalist world market for commodities. However, and this is super important, it goes back to what we were saying before, what the small northern farmer wanted was mm-hmm. independence. Independence not merely from the crown, uh, not merely from any central state government anywhere, or from the church, independence from the Pope, right? Because these yeah. are Protestants. They wanted what we would understand as economic independence. Yep. They wanted to clear land. They wanted that to be their land. But they didn't give a shit about getting rich. 
What they wanted was a plot of land where they could, they and their family, under this patriarchal division of labor, they and their family could produce the means of subsistence. They could create not just the crops that would feed them and the vegetables that would feed them and the animals that would feed them, that household itself, but also they would produce a bunch of handicrafts on that farm itself. So they would be sewing, they'd be making their own clothes, they'd be shotting their own horses. It was a self-contained uh Basically, the household unit was its own internal economy that existed. And this was the dream of freedom that they saw. And yeah, to be, to be a producer uh, and, and perhaps a consumer, but only on their own terms, not, not as a, a forced participants in a market. And that meant freedom. And it also, for the more uh, fanatically religious of them, uh, it meant salvation. Because uh, yes. if you can't find the will of God in a social uh, organism because you've been ripped out of the social fabric then you have to find God in his will of wrought on the land in the form of uh, who goes up and who goes down uh, Providence, yeah, Providence building building the city building a heaven on earth because it's the only way you can you can uh, uh, it really imagine it because the, the transcendental has been uh, lost to you yeah the um the idea of the what historians call the kind of farming that was done was uh, called safety first mm-hmm. farming. So what you would first do, you and your family on these plots and your brothers and you know potentially your father and your uncles and everybody together, is you would first produce to sustain mm-hmm. yourselves. You'd first produce all the food necessary to feed you and your family. And then you would produce on top of that a surplus, but that simply went to paying taxes such as they exist, and towards things like sugar and tea that couldn't actually be produced on the farm itself. But importantly, these farms were not subject to, and this is a very important aspect of it, not subject to market yeah. discipline. There's no, in, there's no process by which, and this is in the 1860s, 70s, and 80s, and 90s, there's no process by which that farmer is going to be punished by the market by losing their means yeah. of production. Right. There's no bank that's going to come and take it away. Right. And there's no like process whereby other competing farmers in the town are going to get so rich and powerful and gobble Mm -hmm. them up. Because, again, this is a a kind of pre-capitalist. Lenin called it the natural economy. It's sometimes called independent household production. And so the economy such as existed, like, yeah, there were merchants and they would bring in like tea, sugar and other shit. Uh, from like the Caribbean for these people to consume on their farms, but they were not compelled by the market <clears throat> to do the sorts of like innovations technologically on their farms that a, a, a fully capitalist farm w- would have. Yeah, to do. They, yeah. So this they were, like they were yeah. limited in their uh, ability to 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 advance to to technologically uh, intensify. There was no internal drive mm. to do that because there was no market market right. discipline. Yeah. And why so, would you do that? Who are you doing it for? That there there's no compulsion <laughs> within it. You literally don't even understand that you like are living in a growing process. Yeah. It's like what the hell, man? You, know, you, you see, get this? like 
Like, I'm just trying to vibe with my family on this fucking farm, man. We're trying to raise some cows, raise some sheep, study the shit out of the Bible. We're going to do so much of that stuff, right? But I don't know why I need to, like, bust my hump and make my kids work in order to, like, grow a surplus of corn to be sold all over the world. When I have this community, there's something called um, neighborly transaction that existed at this time, too, where it wasn't fully barter. But only like one third of transactions even happen in money. Yeah, there's very little money in the early that... American uh, 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 outlands. And different different farmers would trade things that they had for others, or they trade labor services, right? Or maybe they like borrow somebody for a day to do some work and pay them back. And they they weren't paid back immediately. This was like paid off like over generations. So even the economy itself wasn't like the, the economy for like these locally produced and locally shared goods within these communities weren't even fully capitalized. Yeah. Right. So what you what you see and this is important is like and this exists until after the, the Constitution is this northeastern, specifically northern tradition of like independence, uh, virtue, self-sufficiency very, very important, right? Becomes part of what it means to be not just human, but also to be mm -hmm. American. And that will be written into the Constitution, such as it is. And you can even see the effects of this, even though there's not many farms today. But, like, what people always ask, why is New Hampshire so crazy, man? Those those people are, like, all, um, like, they're, they're gun nuts. Live up free in the or and they die. Care. That's right. Live free or die, baby. Why are they like that? Well, that's the sort of, like, 250 years ago that's the sort of tradition that they had of like localism and self-sufficiency and importantly local democracy yeah it's the town council right just running everything out of the town hall we don't need outsiders in our business yeah it's the one place in the These... country that actually made that work as a functioning social order and so the people who lived among it have it's it's clung to them and their ideology the most tightly and by the by 1800 1820 of course we, you know we know from uh, from brenner we know from the law of value that you cannot stay outside of the cash yeah. nexus forever so after the constitution this idea of freedom starts to be circumscribed by merchants who are coming in and like speculating and buying on land uh, farmers who within this decided to go from independent household production into petty commodity production, the next level where you're literally producing for mm -hmm. the market now. And what that means is a growing market, a growing home market for like for instruments that used to be produced on the farm under independent household development, but aren't anymore under petty uh, commodity development where everybody's working in order to make the cash crop. The whole market starts to grow in the Northeast and all over the country, too, as people need to start buying the products that they don't, they're not making themselves on the farm yep. anymore. So capitalist social relations impede into that, and they, they go from being like um, non-capitalist producers, subsistence producers in control of the means of production and the means of subsistence to what we would call petty bourgeoisie, right? They become small capitalists themselves, small family capitalists. Yep. And... This and then this this process. So, Matt, the Turner thesis. I think we've talked about this before, yeah. right? Uh, we both read the the Greg Grandin book about uh, yes, end of the myth. End of the myth. One of the things that uh, Grandin and others, Marxists especially, critique Turner on, right, is that the Turner thesis is that American like love for democracy and independence and virtue is constantly renewing itself 
as people are pushed out of the city or drawn out of the city in order to go to this place called the frontier, mm -hmm. which is like this rough and primitive place where America, where Americanism kind of renews itself. And it does that because people who are now we're going into like the post, um, uh, like the, the post-revolutionary period, people who had been wage laborers, people who were ruined artisans, or people who were immigrants coming from Europe in the early 19th century could go out to the frontier. They could grab that piece of land, right? And it opened up this whole vista of freedom, the frontier, like, and what it meant to be an American. It's this replenishing, yes. right, of this American idea of freedom. Yes. Yeah, we, you ha yeah so, like, uh, I mean, Jefferson was a, was a permanent revolutionary, He yeah. literally was. Blood of tyrants, yep. baby. So the, the Turner thesis, one of the things to critique about it, though, is that as... So after, after the Constitution, right, um, immediately the, uh, the U.S. government is trying to... Federal government is trying to keep people from going out past the Allegheny mm -hmm. Mountains. It's trying as hard as it possibly can to keep people from breaking the treaties that have been made with the native peoples out there. It's trying to stop people from the cities and, and colonists who, who want land from going out and simply squatting land yeah. out there. But then the whole history of the next, what, uh, 80 years, 90 years of the United States is the failure to stop the squatters. Right? There's this constant desire to try to get fresh yeah. land, this new land, to kick off the indigenous people and like make a new start for yourself. And the frontier then is more than a place. It's this actual process whereby more and more people push and are pushed out to the edges to hit that manifest destiny. You know? And this has huge effects on, what, you know, on Americans. Yes, absolutely. It, it, beco it becomes, uh, for everybody, including people who are, traditional proletarians it becomes a ideological uh mystification that is just so deeply entrenched that it 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 does a lot to uh to make socialist organizing the, of and working class self-realization difficult yeah it's the free real estate it's out all there. that free real <laughs> estate yeah i mean i think that is the answer to why we didn't that's the basic answer to why there is no socialist movement in the united states that ever really took power uh like there are other other ones like the fact that the party system emerges in america before there is a coherent working class in this country but i think all of those are consequences of the reality of the free real estate so that makes it the actual like persistent cause that all the other ones are wrapped up in yeah and so Turner and, and the people that followed him thought that this means of subsistence agriculture was constantly being renewed on that frontier. So this like uh, independent household production becomes sort of like this mythos of America, mm -hmm. right? That you could simply grab a freehold and you could start doing it. Um, but before we jump too far ahead, let's talk a little bit about how these conditions created uh, the, the constitution that the framers put together. Like what, what's up with this cons? How is it unique to America and how is this story of, of independent farmer and slave plantations and whatever, how does that affect the way that the constitution comes about our political structure to this day? Well, uh, it's because the constitution allows for something that was in, uh, inconceivable in Europe, which was a maintenance of a, uh, a, ruling class like a ruling elite a, a a moneyed interest either in uh, around merchant capital in the north or landed capital in the south 
that is democratically ratified by a uh, a political body that is composed of uh, regular people, uh, otherwise known as democracy. Uh, and th- what allowed that to uh, to persist was not only the fact that land was always available as a as a pressure valve for discontent within that community, but also the most dangerous, most exploitative labor necessary for these systems that are coming into being can be performed by a subject uh, uh, like Rachel Cast who are outside of politics and who can be uh, uh, subject to private regimes of power. And it is the existence of that class that allows uh, the United States to create a putative democratic structure, but that the nece- like slavery, therefore, is the thing that shapes all of its institutions. From uh, obviously, people talk all about uh, people often reference the three fifths compromise, but also just the, the the existence of uh, the electoral college uh, and uh, the uh, existence of the Senate. All of these checks they all exist. Uh, in order to please and placate the most sort of hierarchically organized social structures in the United States at that time, which are all in the South, where where the the the, the regime of uh, race-based slavery is taking fo- taking hold. 